That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. I've had some almonds and I'm ready to rock. (laughs) This is going to be a nutty episode. It's great. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent. Everybody, um, also known as a, a low church Sunday, um, not because of the churchmanship, but because of the attendance sometimes. Um, and that's really uh, too bad, you know, uh, because there are some great readings here this week. Yeah, we finally get to a reading in the New Testament that actually seems to be related to the Christmas season mm. after all this apocalyptic eschatological stuff that we've been going through, mm. uh, the second coming of Christ, all this. So, uh, yeah, we have Isaiah 7, Romans chapter 1, St. Paul's beginning of the letter to the Romans, and then uh, Matthew 1, the uh, story of uh, the the scandal that uh, accompanied the birth of Christ. So. But first, I got to check in, Jake. You look good. How are you feeling? I'm doing great. We just had a, actually a real kick in candlelight service um, last week, and so um, I'm glad that that's behind me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. How are you doing? It looks like things are busy, and uh, looks like you're a w- real winner there in Waco, Texas. <laughs> Uh, so much winning, I'm tired of winning, Jake. Uh, there's, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my office window right now, and I see about five huge yellow construction machines. I have no idea what their names are. One seems to be a dropper of asphalt. One then is a roller of asphalt. One is a scooper and carter of asphalt. Uh, please, users, see, send the correct names for these uh, machines to Jacob Smith at Calvary St. George. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, pu- we're putting in a new parking lot today, uh, and it's it's part of our ongoing project. It looks looks pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but, but I can relate Saint to what you're saying. Albans, St. Albans, Texas, proof uh, in Waco, Texas, proof that the church is not dying. And I would there, say Calvary uh, yeah. St. George's is the yeah. same thing in New York. We got... Well, uh, uh, we're breathing we, heavy. So, but anyway, no, I'm just, I'm just and I'm just breathing fumes over here. The asphalt is thick. I I think um, you know as you say, peop, I I was struck with what you said about the pastoral stuff this time of year. I've had a number of appointments this week, sort of unforeseen, like late breaking people requesting time mm, to chat about mm-hmm. different things. And uh, I think it is true that uh, this is a time of year where if there is any pain, sorrow, sadness, or difficulty in your life, you tend to feel it more acutely now um and uh uh for good reason i mean everybody else is trying to be happy so if you're not you feel it more keenly so just Mm -hmm. be aware of that preachers as you're preaching uh as we head into now the fourth sunday of advent and talk about these readings so we begin with ahaz we begin with something that people are not going to know the context people are not really going to maybe get what's going on uh it is the place where we get the story about the the virgin being prophesied as the mother of the one who is to come, this messianic figure. 
uh, mm-hmm. that's going to come from the Lord. So for us, it's a Christmas verse, but what was it to the to the readers? Uh, Jake, give us the historical context here for the original yeah, readers so of this. <clears throat> essentially what it is, is Ahaz is the king of Judah, and um, who is pounding on the door. So basically uh, Samaria and um, Syria have said, listen, Let's make an alliance and we can all hold the line and we can beat um, Assyria. And, uh, you know, Ahaz is, um, has uh, considered this and, uh, and currently under the uh, um, Assyrian reign is a guy by the name of Tiglath-Pileser III. And, um, and as I've said before, if I ever uh, made a beer, a homebrew, I would call it Tiglath-Pilsner III. And so, but he is, he is at the door and he's Popular about to slaughter. with seminarians everywhere. Yeah, that's right. That's right. At your next keg party, have Tiglath-Pilsner. Um, but uh, um, let everybody know your biblical knowledge as you have another pint of Tiglath-Pilsner III. Um, actually, the uh, concept of footstool, the concept of footstool comes from him because make your enemies a footstool. Uh, he's one of the guys that made this like very popular in culture because he would take everybody's heads of Ooh. all the vanquished men and stand on them. He's a vicious guy. And so Ahaz has got a big decision to make. And he's contemplating whether he should go and put his trust in uh, Samar- Samaria and uh, and Syria, or should he make an alliance with Assyria? And uh, basically, uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, speaks to Ahaz and says, man, listen, um, uh, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Basically, ask me anything, and I'm going to do this for you to show that you do not need to rely on earthly powers. Uh, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Now, this just isn't, this isn't piety here. Uh, this is um, complete distrust in the God of Israel. <clears throat> yeah, and you see sometimes people do this. They're like, oh, I wouldn't want to bother anyone. And it sounds super yeah. humble, but really it's because they're too proud to accept yeah. help from someone. So, yeah, this looks sort of pious, but it's not. And Isaiah gets frustrated and uh, says, look, uh, it has it's not it's not good enough for you to just make everybody else around you frustrated and annoyed you want to annoy god too uh, so even though you're not going to ask for a sign i'm going to give you one and it's going to be a young woman uh, in this translation the nrsv that we're using the young woman is with child and will bear a son and we'll call him emmanuel now this gets into a little bit of a debate. We're not going to get into a big thing about the virgin and versus the maiden. And don't get into a debate in it in your congregation. Let me tell you but, something. A yeah. young maiden would be a virgin in those days. That's right. Wasn't, so, she wasn't exploring her sexuality or anything <laughs> like that. A young maiden was definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, a virgin. No Netflix and chill in the ancient <laughs> Near East. So for those of you who don't know, listeners, uh, what we're referring to is that the word in Hebrew here for young woman literally could be translated as maiden or a young woman here. Uh, and there we know the prophecy as being a virgin, she'll be with a child, which sounds miraculous and incredible. Uh, the term maiden doesn't sound as miraculous that, you know, a young woman would have a child. So, uh, but the the evidence, if somebody wants to get into this with you, is that in the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament translated by rabbis before the time of Christ, they translated this text from Hebrew into Greek, and they chose the term in Hebrew that means, or in Greek that means virgin. And uh, so that was their tradition, and that's how this came to us. So, 
All that to say, though, don't preach on that. Please don't get lost mm-hmm. in the weeds on that, but do know it because there may be some wonky theological person in your congregation that wants to get into it with you. Um, the main point here is that God is going to do something amazing, mm. uh, that God is going to give a sign. And there, and like a lot of Old Testament prophecies, there are things happening on more than one level because um, there is a prophetess later that has a child, and there's debate about whether Isaiah was the one that fathered the child or not. But there is a child that is going to come in a few short chapters uh, in Isaiah who is the fulfillment at that time of this prophecy. But again, knowing what we know, the Christian tradition has always been to acknowledge the fact that prophecies in the Old Testament happen on multiple levels. You get a fulfillment then in those times, uh, a king of David then, but you also have a son of David. You also have something much bigger, much greater that's coming in the future, which we know will be fulfilled in Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's like your basic how to let the New Testament help you interpret the Old Testament. Uh, The main thing here is that God is going to rescue his people. And the message here is that even though Ahaz, you think you need to look to human help uh, and not trust God, uh, God is going to be the one that helps you. Mm -hmm. And even though you don't have faith, I mean, there's kind of a, a graciousness to this passage because Ahaz is looking the gift horse in the mouth uh, he's sure basically is, saying yeah. to God, I don't want your help, uh, but I'll wrap it up in some sort of pious language. And God says, well, even if you don't want my help, I'm going to show you anyways. Yeah. And it's very interesting that this sign will be called Emmanuel. You know, uh, God is with us. Um, and uh, that, you know, and when you are, um, when you're in a place that, you know, this should be of immense comfort and uh, and good news. And this is what, um, this is what Isaiah is saying, is that God is with us. And, uh this is the sign, um, and it will. It is a type um, that is fulfilled in the personal work of Jesus. But this kind of moves us into Romans chapter one, verses one through seven. And everybody loves Romans in our circle, and it's a great book for a good reason. But you see, this is just essentially the introduction, and here we are in Advent, and we are looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And essentially, what uh, Paul is doing is is pointing out that this coming, um, this gospel was never plan B. It has always been from the beginning plan A. So Paul opens up with the fact that who he is, because he's a servant of Jesus. He's never been to Rome. He um, was writing a letter hoping to get there. And uh, so he's sending an encouraging letter to the churches there to let everybody know who he is. But the main thing is, is that he's a servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle, and he's set apart for the gospel of God, which is Emmanuel, God is with us. And this God had promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, <laughs> the good news coming come, concerning his son, who was what? Not just anybody, but of the line of Judah, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God with power, and all of these things. So basically, Paul is giving us the gospel in a nutshell here. He's given us what? The gospel. I like when you ask those rhetorical questions, Jake. Do you do that a lot in your preaching? Uh, sometimes I do, yeah. The Lord be with what? You. Yeah. <laughs> Lift up uh, your what? No. <laughs> <laughs> that could get tricky. So. Let us give thanks to who? God. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, in Romans, yeah, Paul basically says that the, the thing you just read in Isaiah was a prophecy. Uh, you know, this is his thing. He's saying this was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, yeah. which uh, uh, which is what we just read in, in Isaiah. And um, Paul is affirming here the fact that 
Christ is uh, for his audience. The, the ones who come from the Jewish tradition would have been really important that Jesus descended from David, uh, but that also was much more than David because of his resurrection. And so one of the things that happens at the end of Advent as we're getting close to Christmas, the incarnation, we're looking forward to the second coming of Christ, the eschaton, but you also have this stuff always kind of coming back to the death and resurrection, to Lent, Good Friday, Easter, all that sort of stuff. Um, all these things begin to get compressed and come together, and uh, this whole message, this gospel of God, mm-hmm. as, as Paul uh, says. And the other <clears throat> thing he wants to say is that this is for everybody. It's yeah. for the Gentiles, too. And uh, I just really want to clarify something for a lot of our listeners, because uh, this is a huge misunderstanding, especially like in the main line, and uh, especially in the Episcopal Church in some parts. The gospel is not what you do. The gospel, as Paul is pointing out here, has nothing to do with you. It's all about what has been done for you. And so um, oftentimes, you know, you'll hear a lot of people like, so what is the gospel? Oh, well, it's, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. No, that's the law. Um, The gospel is completely outside of you. It's the good news of what God in Jesus, which was foretold by the prophets, has accomplished on your behalf. And yep. um, and this is what it's all about. And it's done to do one thing that the law could never do. Uh, all the it's it does the one thing that all of the telling people to love you know God and love each other with all their hearts and really pushing that. What it cannot do, and that is bring about the obedience of faith. Among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name. It is only the gospel that brings obedience. That's right. And a lot of churches and Christians, well-meaning, will try to get an obedience of law. I mean, basically, I'll tell you the law and you got to do it. Uh, Mm. And um, it's exhausting. And it's tricky because we hear obedience and that's, and we sort of just, we just hear that and we don't go Mm -hmm. farther. But Paul here, by saying obedience of faith, says something very specific that because of the faith that we've given, the faith in the righteousness of Christ that is a gift to us. And that's why right before that, he says, we've received grace and apostleship, not that we earned yeah, it or that's deserved right. it or, or pleased God enough. It, it's the language of receiving a gift and obedience is something that comes about because of faith, not out of some white knuckling attempt mm. to make God happy. Uh, and so the, the gospel is here for Paul right in the beginning. And it's, um, it's an incredible thing. So just as Ahaz was kind of a knucklehead and yet God was gracious to him in giving him a sign, we too are knuckleheads and God gives us uh, this grace that we receive it. And mm-hmm. it's so, any obedience that comes about is that of obedience from faith. So that's Absolutely. the Romans passage. And uh, now we turn to the gospel proper, Matthew 1, 18 through 25, where Matthew's going to tell us, uh, now prior to this, there's a really long genealogy in gospel in the gospel of Matthew. We're going to skip that for now and just get into uh, how Jesus was born. And uh, it's scandalous, intentionally so. God could have mm. picked Jesus to just beam down, just show up. He could have picked Jesus to be born of a priestly family in the temple. Uh, it's Jake's uh, bookie calling him right now, folks. And uh, <laughs> But he he's just going to let it go to voicemail because that's how much he cares about you yeah, guys. I can wait. Um, oh, and that's oh, your bookie. There's mine at the same time. Can you hear that, Jake? That's so funny. Yeah, it's perfect. There was like a vast conspiracy Are we out all right? there in the... T- Universe, yeah, I'm fine. My, like every device so, I have in my pocket is like ringing. Pe- people want people wanted to confront us on obedience. Do you what need me to finish you? this out? 
We're in demand. So no, you, it's, no, Jake, I got it. I'm fine. I can do it. <laughs> oh, funny. Oh, so, we're in the, um, so you know, listeners, we're in the trenches of ministry. Even as we're doing this, I'm going to have to do not like, disturb. Aaron, the bulldozer uh, is falling here. apart. So the asphalt is uh, drying wait, before got, it's been smoothed out. So anyway, I got I got to go get a shovel. Uh, <laughs> people are persistent. What can I say? By the way, I want to uh, since we've already interrupted ourselves here, I want to we just recently learned that we've had a significant increase in listenership. Now, it could be the Russian bots or the Ukrainian ones, or there could be people that are sh- sharing the word, uh, spreading the news about same old song. If this is benefiting you, helping you in some way, leave a review in iTunes. Uh, that does help us out. We actually read them. And Jake's ego, which is especially fragile, needs it more than yeah, uh, me. Than you could imagine. And so, so yeah, uh, let us know how you, how you heard about us and how this is helping you. And, uh, yeah, and if you have any constructive comments for Jake, please give them to him. Please, awesome. if you have any for me, hold hold off. So, back to Matthew 1, uh, and we have here the scandal of, as I was saying, God could have come in Christ anyway, but he chose a woman who wasn't married, a maiden, a virgin, who is engaged, but they are not yet together, they have not been married, and in Matthew, in like the greatest understatement of all time, says, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm which means God has elected to come into the world in a way that will always be tainted with a whiff of scandal. And it would have been more than a whiff for the people around Mary and Joseph at the time. And because Joseph's response is not one of faith, it's not saying, oh, she said it's from the Holy Spirit. Sounds good to me. Mm. Checks out. Makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, he he responds like any rational person would. Uh, okay, Mary. And he calls his divorce lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, that the great uh, the great um, comedian Sam Kennison. If you remember him from the eighties, I yeah. used to shout and yell all the time. Ah, screamer. Ah. Yeah. Um, he was a very famous uh, before he was a comedian. Was a Pentecostal preacher, and he's got like a whole sketch on this about what was going through Joseph's mind, and uh, when this first happened, and you know he came home because he was a carpenter from the construction site, and he was like, "Mary, I mean, you just don't know what I'm going through at work," and, and then later on, throwing the ball with Jesus and thinking to himself, "Son of God, he better be the only Son of God." And so, I mean, but the the point is, is that that's a very good illustration of the scandal that. Uh, this story actually is. I mean, this is mind-blowing. In this world, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what should happen to Mary is she should be taken out and stoned to death. That's what would have happened in that world. Um, And uh, this is just amazing. But you see in here, like, Joseph, I mean, well, like, doesn't believe it. He's not a guy who's like, let's drag her. He's a man of grace as well, in the sense that he just decides, I'm not going to expose you to the public disgrace, but uh, you can just go and live with your parents quietly, you know? And um, But then this is where God has an intervention. And um, he sends uh, the angel to Joseph in a dream. Yep. And uh, this is something that happens a lot, actually, around the birth narratives of Christ. There's a lot of dreams. You know, the, uh, the Joseph's going to get more than one dream. The uh, the Magi, the wise men who arrive, will be warned in a dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of lots of stuff going on here. Miraculous, supernatural intervention from God uh, because he's breaking into the world in a new way. And it's, it's just so much beauty here because uh, God does not pick... Uh, 
somebody born in the mm-hmm. palace. He doesn't pick uh, somebody to be born in Rome or even in Jerusalem. He picks an out-of-the-way backwater. Um, and uh, and that's that's yeah. where he begins. So, and, you know, and connecting it to your life, this is so eminently preachable. Not you, Jake, because you don't have scandal in your <laughs> life. But to, I'm talking to you, you preachers out there listening to this. This is so eminently preachable because all you have to say is the birth of Christ means that God works in the dark, forgotten, and scandalous places in your life. The skeletons in your closet, which you don't want to come out, uh, that's where God's at work in your life. And um, this is what Christ's birth says, among other things. But God coming in grace into a world to show the world more than anything, that he doesn't come to judge, he doesn't come to tear down, he doesn't come to wag a finger, to lecture, to bark, to rebuke. He comes to save and to heal. Uh, and you see that because he comes in a way so that he himself has his own scandalous family background so that he can relate to you and yours. Uh, we talk about Jesus taking on um, our sin or entering into sinful humanity, and, and this is one of the ways he begins this process, even at the Incarnation. And the angel has this in mind when he tells Joseph in the dream, the point of this son is to save people from their sins, like from the yeah. beginning. And again, back to the thing where people forget this, Jake, and you and I kind of, we harangue on this a little bit, but so many preachers seem to forget that the point of the message, the point of the sermon, the point of the gospel, the point of Christianity is to save people from their sins. Mm. Um, other stuff does flow from that. There is fruit mm-hmm. from that root, but that is the central thing. This is The angel doesn't say he's going to save people from their sins and like, and systemic injustice in the world. Yeah, that's right. Like he he will. I mean, he is the prince of peace. He is a god of justice and the, you know, the arc which is long of the the, the moral arc of the universe as MLK says is long mm-hmm. and is bends towards justice. That is totally true. That's that's the second coming. That's the eschaton. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it doesn't matter now. Don't hear me say that, people. But again, the angel says the main thing what Jesus is coming to do not what the prophets could do. They could never do this. Not what the priests could ever do. They could do this. The Messiah is coming to save people from their sins. So like I yeah. said before, even at Advent, even in Christmas and in the Incarnation, the cross is in view. Yep. And then showing that this is all plan A. It says, and uh, spoken by the Lord through the prophet. This is the quote of Isaiah. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Manny. And, <laughs> um, and uh, this is really... Um, that's the Jacob Smith version. You shall call him Manny. But, Manuel um, Lopez Obrador, the president <laughs> yeah. of Mexico. That's what this is about. <laughs> so, but, um, but, and it's, which means God is with us. And uh, this is actually it. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of people talking about God being absolutely everywhere. And that's true too. But God has found somewhere specific. He's with us in the backwater, broken, scandalous parts of our life. And uh, this is the good thing. And uh, just in case anybody thought that Mary wasn't a virgin when she was conceived, Matthew writes this very specifically, that he took her as his wife, but had no marital relationships with her until she had borne the son. And they named him Jesus. Now, uh, I really want to encourage everybody to preach about not having maritable, the, the like the celibacy of, just kidding. But anyway, um, <laughs> But they named him Jesus. This is, I mean, and this on a profound level is also a connection to the Old Testament. His name isn't Frank. His name isn't Isaiah. It's Yeshua and uh, Yahweh saves. And uh, this is connected in the sense that the way Matthew is structured, it almost functions as the 41st chapter of the book of Exodus. 
This is the new Yeshua. This is the new coming in to conquer and deliver his people uh, and get them out of the wilderness and deliver them from the hands of sin and death and the devil into his kingdom, which is a kingdom that has no end, a promised land of everlasting life, which Emmanuel, God is with us, has promised um, in his wounds and in his son Jesus. And you're right, right now it looks like a trampled seed. Right now it looks like a, a lowly maiden and a weird carpenter who was like, I'm cool with it, and uh, a son like born in a manger, and pretty soon it's going to look like a crucified Savior. But believe me, uh, what you cannot see, you hear, and you got to hear the gospel right now. But there is coming a time when he will, in his person and work, come back and make all things right. And his resurrection is the proof of that. Yep. And so you have here, by the way, this kind of if people are paying attention, like a confusing little moment where uh, the angel tells Joseph that you have to name this kid Jesus, and then mm -hmm. he quotes the Bible and says, they shall name him Emmanuel. And it's like, wait a second, why did he tell him the name was Jesus, tell us the name of Jesus? And then as reference to, to support that, he says Emmanuel. And basically what this is saying is that in the Old Testament, the one who, the God who is with us Mm -hmm. is the one who saves us from our sins. That's right. And so there's like an overlapping of meanings here. Uh, and, um, you know, there are lots of names for God in the scriptures. And uh, just as there are lots of ways to refer to the second person in the Trinity. And uh, Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, all these things, the Logos in John 1, which you will read at Christmas time. So uh, don't don't worry about the, these two different names. They are two names, but they mean uh, different and the same thing. Same thing. And, and basically saying, God, for, because for God to be with us, God has he to forgive your us. sins. Yeah. Because any other way, it's eviscerating you. Right. So. Either we're just, we burn up like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like we open <laughs> the ark and we, we melt. We, our flesh yeah. melts and we burn up. So if God can be with us, it means he's already saved us, which is, Praise again, at the, at the, at the birth of Christ, there is the cross because God has come to us in mercy. Uh, so all that is there, folks. You can talk. So you got these bookends of the Isaiah passage talking about the one, who, the maiden who will bear a son and you call him Emmanuel. And then the angel quotes that to Joseph uh, in Matthew 1. And in the middle of those, of that sandwich, you have Paul saying that the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament prophecy, this which was to come, which is that God is going to save people from their sins, which is exactly uh, what what the angel says as well. So all that uh, is is your advent for God working in the dark places, God working in scandal, God working to save people from their sins. And that is going to be a good word for people as they head into Christmas um, and uh, as they're exhausted at the end of the season and, and looking for a little light at the end of the tunnel, you can give it to them on advent for. Well, that's great. Thank you, Jake. We'll see everybody, um, uh, gosh, real short, because we've got Christmas coming around the corner. Listen up and uh, sleep well, drink plenty of water, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you uh, soon. Feliz Navidad. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Yeah.
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.